I have an appreciation for the art of the human body. I studied in art in college. I had to draw nudes for what two years just about. I need a dollar, 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 that's what I need. Hey, hey, well, I need Everyone can draw the way you write, the way you make an L, the way you do your T. That is an art, the way you dot the I. And if I share with you my story, would you share your with me? This is Sounds from the Street, where we get to meet the men and women who define street sense. DC's nonprofit media center dedicated to creating economic opportunities for people experiencing homelessness. I'm your host, Adam Campy. Today we pick up where we left off in part two of a conversation with Angie Whitehurst, talking about art and homelessness. Last time, we learned about Angie's backstory, how her life and career was interrupted by two diseases, cerebral malaria and fibromyalgia, and her deep dedication to her family. Her artistic vision comes through whether she's taking pictures, acting, or dreaming up ideas for the homeless art bus. Speaking of art, tomorrow night, October 1st, is the annual Street Sense Gala. Home is where the heart is, at the Josephine Butler Park Center on 15th Street Northwest. All right, so now back to our scheduled programming. Here's Angie Whitehurst. I've always loved art. I took my first art class when I was uh, real little. I must have been maybe six or seven. It was after I had polio at the Cochran School of Art. They had a children's program, and my parents put me in it. And I made a puppet. My mother had used to sew, and she had made these Hawaiian moo-moos, and it was green with gold lame on it, and it had this paper shea head, and coat hanger arms and legs and made the dress for the puppet out of that muumuu. It's basically pasted on. Um, And we did other artwork and collages. And that had a lasting impact on me. I was hung on art ever since then. Everyone has creativity, like I tell her. Everyone can dance. When you walk, it's a dance. When you go up the steps, that's a movement, that's a dance. Everyone can draw the way you write, the way you make an L, the way you do your T. That is an art, the way you dot the I. Everyone can sing the way we talk. It's just that some people can put it together more melodically than others. I can't sing, but I love singing. And so all of these things are like strengthening and building and healing exercises whether we see it that way or not. On the other side, once you put it together and you see that everyone is creative and everyone has their own rhythm and movement and way of creating things, it's beautiful. And it's a mechanism to hear our voices so that other people hear and say, wow, and these are people who And they're not that unique because there are thousands of others out there like them. Oh, what are we going to do to help them? And now before, when people might walk by on the street, or they might know you and say, you know, that broad don't have a job. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. Now when people see you and they know your story and they've heard the other stories, they have a sensitivity, they have a compassion, they have less condemnation. Street Sense makes our presence through the media center, it makes our presence 
seen, heard, felt, it educates, and it moves people to do something other than say, oh, I read the paper, oh, I saw that film, oh. It's like the oh and I know and I saw is not enough. I must do. And you're in the photography class, correct? Yes, with Sue. What does photography mean to you? Photography to me is a reflection of my eye and what I see. My perception, my sensitivities, my heart, and my soul. Because the way I take a picture, if I'm focused on it, I look at it from the sense of what it makes me feel. And it's my perception of what something or somebody else is doing. Once that image is out there, if I've done a good job, you will see the sensitivity that I picked up. And then on the other hand, you might not see it. You might see the image, and it then becomes yours because you're viewing it from your perception. And so from that standpoint, photography is good because it lets people share. Because we can all look at the same photograph and see it from our eye in a different way from the next person and the next person and the next person. And what's important in that photograph might be different. But it's also a way to share other people's lives and feelings. And I think it's important in connecting people because it's permanent. You can always go back to it and look at it again and revisit it. And each time it's like a movie you love. You'll see something the next time you didn't see the first time or the time before that or the time before that. And so photography is important. Is there a particular kind of picture that you like to take? I'm trying to think what my favorite is. I think what I tended to take when I had a camera, I tended to take more pictures of, of sunrises, sunsets, water, trees, forests, not because I love it so much, but because that's what makes me serene. If I had to say pictures that I'd love to take, I think I would take pictures of, of ballerinas and dance of movement, of jazz bands, of musicians, um, artists. Pictures that I would buy that I like, I love black and whites. I studied in art in college. I had to draw nudes for what, two years just about. Um, I have an appreciation for the art of the human body. But coming from my family and being in Washington, that was a little bit avant-garde for people to understand or accept because we live in a, and maybe not just Washington, D.C., but we live in a world that's very, they like to talk about love and sex, but they don't want to see it, except in the movies or on the soap operas. So I, the, the angles and the drawings, I like those. I find it interesting how people interpret different parts of the body, facial expressions, and that's why I like black and white portraits with shadows and angles because it's so interesting. But that reflects the photographer and not necessarily the person. You have high cheekbones. We can all take a picture of a person with high cheekbones and it'll look different because of the angle of how we set it up to take it. And I say favorite, favorite, favorite photographs. Yeah, I would have to say may maybe the, the portraits, the faces, because they tell stories. 
switching gears a little bit in the in the trailer for the art bus when that was being launched i love that all the different artists who were involved had a little moment where they talk about what they do and you know their name and and you said, my name is Angie, I am an artist, I have a vision. Can you describe, are you able to share what your vision is, or is that a secret? My vision for the art bus? Oh no, the art Or just, I don't know if that meant a vision for the art bus, or if that meant you have a vision. I have a vision in terms of life in general. My <laughs> vision is for things to be better. My personal vision is just serenity, peace, paint, to do artistic things like in cameras and arts and crafts and cooking and sipping fine wines and enjoying movies and going to cricket matches. The most boring thing to do in the world, but the best place to meet up with people. Having fun in life, playing tag, hide and seek. Just the light, enjoyable things of life. That's fantasy. Although it would be nice if life would be all of that. Just one big hide-and-seek game? Yeah. But my vision is just for a better, more peaceful, calmer, healthier, happier life for myself and everybody else. The art bus I see as a vision because I see that it can be, it can be so many things in so many different venues. You know, like the way we did it was our individual statements and vision. And each place we go, it can be something different. It could be we want to go and support someone who has a movie out and they need some publicity, or someone who is recovering from something, and, and we could do something with that. Or it could be used for poetry readings or for jazz sets. And then you could come and sit, bring your blanket out around in front of the bus and listen to music. What myths about homelessness would you like to dispel? Homelessness comes in many forms. There are wealthy people who become broke and homeless. There are poor people who already have no money who become homeless. Um, the lack of shelter, the lack of stability, there's nothing, there's no framework to hold you together. It's as if the rib cage around your heart just blew up and fell apart. And I think people have this stereotype that homeless people are dirty, nasty, disease-ridden, crooks, prostitutes, pimps. They got there because they deserve to be there. And I, and I think that that's, that's something that a lot of people still feel. Because I know from my own experience, there are many people who know me who did not know what I was going through. And I did not tell them. One, because of embarrassment. Two, because of my own shock and not, not knowing what to make of it or what to do. Uh, and then the rest of it was um, depression, self-pity. And you get to the point where you just really don't care and you just don't want to talk about it. Just the thought of talking about what happened to you makes you very angry, you know, and I still get those feelings when other people have been abused and I'm like, I have to really work on that. But yeah, that, that whole thing about homelessness, that could be, that could happen to you. 
There should be housing for everybody no matter what their state is. I take issue with that we, we charge utilities, health insurance, life insurance, gas, electric, water are considered utilities. Those are life-sustaining things or life, and things that are important to maintaining, saving, or perpetuating life. But these are things in our society that are traded on Wall Street. I think that's obscene. They need some type of regulation and curtailment because everyone should have a place to stay. Thank God they don't charge us for air, but you know, who knows what's gonna happen. But I think these are things that, that we can address as a nation, as people, and certainly our Congress and Senate can look at these things and the departments that we have, because I think it's ridiculous, you know? So have you announced your candidacy for president of the United States oh, yet? Oh, no. Uh-uh. No, they would shoot me, <laughs> and I'm not a... Because that's exactly what we need. We need another candidate. If you had to define your life by a song, which song would you choose? It's funny you would ask me that, and I was thinking about what I wanted my life to be that it is not, like I said, the, the husband, the kids, the dance studio, the swimming pool, all of that stuff. This past weekend I was thinking about that. It was a song I learned when I was a kid, that Doris Day song. K Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. The future's not mine to see. K Sarah, Sarah, that's what my life is. And I mean, that's not definitive, that's not focused. And I was saying, I wonder if it's because I sung that song that my life is like this. You know, what makes people successful, what helps people avoid some things and other people not? I tend to think it's what we are grounded with, what we will accept, what we won't accept that isn't okay. And sometimes if we have things that are like the rocks on the path, the rungs on the ladder, the swings on the trees, the Tarzan vines, Tarzan and Jane vines that you can grab. You know, Tarzan never fell, and he didn't let Jane fail because he always had another mind to grab hold of. I wonder what would happen if I had songs that had more, more tangibles to grasp or hold of. In, in a word or a phrase, street sense is dot, dot, dot. Street sense is a pendulum with a rock, meaning that the pendulum swings, but it has a rock that it catches onto that anchors it in place. It's a voice, a pendulum, and a rock. That was part two of a conversation with artist Angie Whitehurst. Once again, you can meet Angie and other vendor artists tomorrow night, October 1st, at the Street Sense Gala. So please come on down to experience the art bus, live theater, see films and illustrations made by homeless men and women or formerly homeless men and women, have a drink, maybe two, listen to music, hang out. Did I mention the gala is at the historic Josephine Butler Park Center on 15th Street Northwest? The terrace, which will feature a bar and a DJ, overlooking Meridian Hill Park, awaits you. Tickets are still available at streetsense.org. 
To hear more sounds from the street, check out streetsense.org slash audio or find us on SoundCloud and Stitcher and soon to be on iTunes. Please keep the conversation going on Facebook and Twitter at StreetSense DC. The sounds from the street theme song, I Need a Dollar, How to Make It in America, performed by Aloe Black from the album Good Things, used courtesy of Stone's Throw Records. The song was composed by Aloe Black with Leon Michaels, Nick Mobshan, and Jeff Dynamite, used by permission of Songs of Cobalt Music Publishing, EMI Blackwood Music Incorporated, slash Sony ATV. Excerpt of Uneven by Beats Antique from the album Electrophone. The following songs use courtesy of Creative Commons found on WFMU's Free Music Archive. Excerpt of Opening Credits in a Dream and Gail de Nolve, composed and performed by Johnny Ripper from the album Songs for a Film That Doesn't Exist. Excerpt of Happy Times, Clouds, and Birds, composed and performed by Adam Seltzer from the album Production Music. And excerpt of I Can't Imagine Where I'd Be Without It, composed and performed by Chris Zabriskie from the album Thoughtless. You're listening to Sounds from the Street. Street Sense. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we should have a radio show called Street Sense. <laughs> and that every, all the crazies calling every morning. And then they blow their... They blow before, their before they talk, they got to go Street Sense. <laughs>